Okay, we are continuing on through our series of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Today we live uh, in a world with a lot of self-help programs, don't we? People are suffering from all types of addictions or bondages or things that have gone wrong in their life and very often they'll enrol into a uh, a self-help program to get themselves out of a bind or out of a difficult spot or perhaps even out of an addiction. And the whole idea of these programs is to give them strategies and tools to handle the stress and get them standing back on their own two feet again. And which I think there's a lot of good value in those programs um, when they do give people some tools to help them out and get going again. But did you know that Christianity isn't a self-help program? It's not. Christianity is not a self-help program. It's impossible to be a Christian and think you can help yourself and that's all there is to it as far as Christianity is concerned. We can't do it on our own. To live godly lives, God helps us every step of the way without uh, one moment going by. Is not God there with us, helping us to actually navigate through the issues of life? And this is the primary work of the Holy Spirit to purify us of our sinfulness and to produce holy living here in this step-by-step, day-by-day, moment-by-moment, God's working within us to... uh, have his spirit reshape us in the image of Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, let's uh, go to Thessalonians chapter uh, 4 and we'll just read from verses 1 to 8 to um, give us a bit of a starting point. Hey? Starting at verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honour, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, But in holiness, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Uh, Father, we uh, give you thanks today that we can gather again today. Uh, Lord, as we come around your word now, we ask, Holy Spirit, this word that you have inspired through the Apostle Paul to write 2,000 years ago. Uh, We ask today that you would come and help us. Uh, Give us that vision as we spoke there before. Be there my vision. So Father, we pray for that vision to open up to us today, uh, the work of your Spirit coming and sanctifying us, purifying us, making us holy, and to do this uh, with Christ as our example. Uh, Lord, please give us understanding of that now, and uh, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians that's a, actually that's a good word to say if you've got a small child missing their two front teeth. Get them to say Thessalonians with the two teeth missing and you'll get a very funny thing you can record on a video then. Paul writes to the Thessalonians as is his custom after visiting the churches. He writes letters and the letter he wrote here is for encouragement and instruction for these guys. They needed to be encouraged because they were now embarking on on what would seem like a newfound religion. It wasn't in fact a newfound religion they were embarking upon but it was a fulfilment of the Old Testament. But in that... They understood that all of a sudden the whole Testament has now been fulfilled in Christ, but in that also they would be living counterculturally to the rest of the community around about them. So they particularly needed encouragement 
So Paul writes a letter here to encourage these new believers as they are standing strong and endeavouring to live a godly life now in Christ. They also needed instruction because their lives had also been steeped in either moralistic religion through Judaism or other religions that may have been around the time, or godless pagan idolatry also was rife and rampant in the Roman world at that time as well. And because of that, they were totally immersed and learnt and believed for many years that it had become a filter in their lives to see the world through, either through this moralistic religion or this godless pagan idolatry. Their lives were either driven by a sense of guilt, then in earning sort of brownie points to please God through moralistic religion, or their lives were driven by the pursuit of pleasure at any cost through setting up the ideals and idols that would supposedly give them this promise of pleasure. Paul has reached these Thessalonians, who knows how many years before, he's reached these Thessalonians with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has set you free from these dead works of religion and that are based on guilt and fear. Christ has set you free from that. And Jesus has set you free from the false and shallow promises that things created by man or this world can deliver you ultimate happiness. The gospel has set you free from chasing after that and filling your lives with those types of things. So as Paul proclaimed this good news to the Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit worked on the hearts of many, many people there and they believed the gospel. And it says there in verse 5, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, this is in chapter 1 in case you're thinking we didn't read that before, because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. The people of Thessalonica were born again. They had received the new birth of experience of God's grace through the Holy Spirit. And they were now filled with the Holy Spirit and would go on to keep growing and expanding in the work of the Spirit in their lives as they lived out the rest of the days that God had allotted for them at Thessalonica. So this then brings us today to this primary work in our lives by God's Spirit. It's the main work that God does in us when we become Christians or followers of Jesus Christ. It's the primary and main work. This work is a process that the Spirit will continue in us until we breathe our last upon this earth. The primary work that the Holy Spirit does in every Christian is the work of sanctification. Here's a big word, isn't it? Who's heard of that Colin Buchanan song, Big Words That End In? Shun. Anybody got any kids that have played that? No, it's a great song. He says all these like justification, redemption, all these big words that end in shun. So here's one of these big words that end in shun. Don't be scared off by it. Sanctification or sanctified quite simply means to be made holy. If you're going to sanctify a vessel, you'll you'll purify a vessel. Uh, If someone's a a sanctified person, we say they are a holy person or a purified person. So sanctified means to be made holy. Now, don't get the wrong impression here about holiness when when we use that word. Sometimes, sometimes when we think of holiness, I think we get this image of some monk who's walking around dressed in hessian bags living off bread and water, living in a place of total unimportance and obscurity. That's not the message that the Holy Spirit wants to get us here with this idea of holiness or sanctification. And that's certainly not what Paul is thinking of when he writes this here about us putting on Hessian bags and living off bread and water and living a life of total unimportance somewhere in obscurity. 
The holiness that we are called to is to have our lives separated from sin and evil. The holiness that we are called to is to the calling to be recreated into the image of Christ who lived in perfect holiness. And the holiness that we are called to is to be lived out in our everyday lives and everyday situations we find in. Not to escape the world somewhere and become a monk living on the, in, up in the hills somewhere. Actually, it is to live our everyday lives in everyday situations as holy people. And how do we do this? We do this through the empowering presence of God's Spirit living within us. This is the will of God for our lives. First, why this work? Why this work? Why this work of holiness by the Spirit? Why does the Holy Spirit embark upon this work in our lives when we are born again? What's happening here? Quite simply, the answer is that we all have remaining or indwelling sin that stays with us after we are born again. And no different for these Thessalonians here 2,000 years ago. They're born again, but they have remaining indwelling sin, evil and corruption that stays within them. Uh, Romans 7.18 tells us that, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's a great chapter there that Paul seems to have this massive struggle he's going through as you read through Romans chapter 7. It's an extended passage here where he talks about the state of corruption or indwelling sin or this brokenness that remains within me even though I am a Christian. Quite simply, we have to see that when we are saved, all of our sin is forgiven and there stands no record that would call us guilty before a just and holy God. But, but in God's wisdom, although he's renewed us within, he allows that our sinful nature remains with us, but albeit in a broken sense of power. It hasn't got the same uh, power that it previously had. It's got a broken sense of power. You may have seen that car sticker on the back of cars many years ago, and that possibly could be around now, I don't know. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Who's seen that sticker? Who's put that sticker on the back of their car? All the hands are going back down again. <laughs> I think my mum had that sticker on the back of our car. I don't know whether that was for her driving or what. You know, I'm not a perfect driver, it's all right, just that's how I am. While we're here on this earth, while we remain in these mortal bodies, uh, we won't be perfect people. We will have remaining, indwelling corruption in us. And this explains why sometimes Christians will let us down at times. We think, I thought you were a Christian. How dare you do that to me? Well, this, is, this does explain why Christians at times will do hurtful things towards us. And actually, we will do hurtful, hurtful things towards other people as well because we have this remaining corruption that is uh, within us. The power of sin and evil has been broken. The Holy Spirit has applied the gospel to our hearts. But there still remains this element of sin that tempts us and entices us with the desires that come from our own heart and tempts us and entices us from the desires that we see around about us from the influences of this world and from Satan as well. That's just where we are. So therefore the Holy Spirit comes graciously and mercifully dwelling within us to apply the gospel to our hearts daily so that we can overcome indwelling sin. That's the work here of the Holy Spirit. It's a primary work. It's a primary goal of God's Spirit. It's also a work here of producing beauty within us as well as we uh, allow God's Spirit to work within us. He's allowing and working on the beauty of Christ's character to shine out through us 
and to see a glorious work take place. Here it is in verse 3 for us. See this primary work of the Spirit. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We often ask, what does God want me to do in life? We're looking for some sort of direction. What job or what career? Where will I live? What will I do? These are all important questions, but there's no clear direction in the Bible for those types of things at times, and we will talk about this again in a couple of weeks. But we can see clearly here that the direction for God in our life, his will for us, his purpose for us, is to be sanctified, is to be sanctified, to be made holy in his image. As we know, God is holy and we are made in his image, and God has also given us his Holy Spirit, or the spirit of holiness to live in us. So it certainly makes complete sense that if God wants us to enjoy a relationship with him by living in holiness. This is where God's spirit takes us. This primary work then of sanctification or holiness then comes in two forms. comes in two forms for us and it's really important that we grasp this. One is called instantaneous sanctification. I've got a few big words that I have and I will explain this in a moment. And the other is what we call progressive sanctification sanctification, this ongoing work. And it's really important that we grasp that there are two types here because sometimes we do get caught up in holy living, thinking that we are earning our salvation by doing these good works or good deeds or sort of putting ourselves into these situations of living a holy life. And when that's the, and that's the uh, to earn our salvation, when that's the case and our mind is thinking like that, if sin gets on top of us, and then we can begin to feel like we're no longer saved because I'm not actually doing enough good things um, in that sense. So I try to live uh, harder, to live holy, and hope that God sees that and then saves me again. It's an easy path for us to slip down, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works here as we think about sanctification or holiness. To get that in our minds, let's think about now instantaneous sanctification. So it's like instantly, really, really quick. When we are saved or born again, we in one sense are made instantly holy by God's grace, instantly holy by God's grace when we are born again. Hebrews 10.10 tells us that. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's a past tense there in that verse where it says, been sanctified. Quite simply, Jesus has made us holy by the cross of Calvary, by his work at Calvary 2,000 years ago, It's now a position that we have. It's not something we're trying to attain. It says there we have been sanctified through the the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So when God looks at us, even though we are broken human beings, still doing sinful things, he sees us through the perfect righteousness of Christ. And we have been sanctified in that sense. We are holy in Christ and that is instantaneous Holiness or instantaneous sanctification. That's one form of sanctification. There's also another form that is working at the same time within us. And we call that progressive or ongoing sanctification. The Spirit is making us holy at the same time as we are, have been made holy in Christ. That might sound a bit confusing for you. But as we think about this remaining indwelling corruption within us, we understand here what God's Spirit is doing. Verses, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 gives us this picture here of progressive sanctification, this ongoing work of God's Spirit within us. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Can you see there the words in that passage? Being transformed. Being transformed. This is an ongoing work. It's from one degree of glory to another. We are in a process. We are in a process. We are progressively, in an ongoing way, becoming more and more like Christ, more and more like Jesus. And this process, this ongoing work, is what we call progressive sanctification, the purifying of ourselves from sin and becoming holy. This ongoing or progressive work of holiness has its foundation in the instant work of holiness. And it's really important we get that as well that has been done for us by Christ. So the ongoing work of holiness or the ongoing work of progressive sanctification is the outworking of the instant holiness that Jesus has effected for us at the cross and stamped upon our soul uh, when we were born again. It's a progressive, moment by moment, 24-7 work of God's Spirit being outworked from the instant holiness that he's given to us when we are born again. It says there, where from one degree to another degree, we are being transformed. Sometimes we make really big leaps and strides in this, in this growth in holiness. Sometimes it's like running the 100-metre sprint final at the Olympic Games. We are rocketing down the track. We are rocketing down the path of holiness in life, and we just seem to be going from strength to strength. Sometimes it can be like that in progressive holiness as God's Spirit is working within us. Other times it feels like we are crawling on glass. It's really, really challenging and it's really, really difficult. And we think sometimes on our hands and knees crawling across the grass, it's like we are struggling through an Olympic marathon millimetre by millimetre. That's how it is also sometimes in this progressive work of God's Spirit within our lives as we are perfected by God's Spirit in holiness. In progressive holiness, there's a couple of things that are happening here in this ongoing work. We are both passive and active. Passive means we're not doing anything at all. Active means we are actually involved here in this sense of uh, working with God's Spirit through being made holy. So what's passive about holiness or what's passive about sanctification? Obviously, the initial work by God's Spirit is completely His work, without our involvement in being born again. God's Spirit comes miraculously, sovereignly, supernaturally, takes us from being blind to seeing who Christ is and understanding the gospel. This is the passive work that we are just, it's been done for us and done to us. But it's very important not to downplay that, what we call that passive work there. Because if that passive work, where we're not really involved as such, didn't come to us, We wouldn't move a millimetre towards Christ. We wouldn't move a millimetre towards what Jesus has done. We'd be very happy and content in our sin. So it's critically important that we say thank you, Jesus, for that work your spirit has done. Even though we were passive in that, um, you have opened my eyes up. So in that sense, we're passive. But in this sense, we're active. We're active. We're not just a passenger in a bus and we just arrive at the destination having done nothing at all in the sense of progressive or ongoing holy living in our lives. No, we actively participate with the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin and temptation in this world that we live in and that remains and dwells with us. 2 Corinthians 7, 
uh, takes us in that direction. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. This is the power that the Spirit gives, and this is what Paul says here in this idea of progressive, ongoing sanctification and our active participation in this. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us bring to completion holiness and the fear of God. There's a sense here where we are partnering with and we are active in pursuing this holy living that the Holy Spirit now works within us. Not forgetting and totally understanding the Holy Spirit is always there to supply this power to help us to move in that direction to overcome the desires of sin and temptation. This is what the Spirit is continually continuing to do in our lives. Verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is the power that Paul is praying for in the Ephesians. The power of the Holy Spirit to come and to actively work in them to pursue holy living and uh, go down the path of sanctification. It's a continual work the Spirit does all the time. So we're both passive in the sense that the Holy Spirit comes and does that initial work, and then we're active in partnering with that ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, giving us that power to overcome sinful desires and sinful temptations. We work and work and work with him as he provides the power and the strength that we need to live this holy life and to glorify Jesus through that. So we're both passive and active. How does the Spirit do this then? What does the Holy Spirit do within us to engage and empower us to partner with him as we are progressively sanctified or being made holy in this ongoing presence and ongoing work within us? It's really important, again, that we see here what the Holy Spirit uses to produce this holy living within us. And what we have to see here is that the primary tool that the Spirit uses in this primary work of holiness in us is his word, is his truth. And what we've got to grasp here is is there is an inseparable link between God's word and God's spirit. You don't have one without the other. It's a package deal. You can't say I've got the word and not have the spirit. You can't say I've got the spirit and not have the word. It comes together. That's how God works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And when I say the word, I mean obviously the Bible as God's revealed word to us. Here's a couple of passages that point us towards this idea here that the Spirit uses uh, the word. John 17, 17, Jesus prays this uh, prayer on the last night he's uh, upon this earth. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. And 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief in the truth. That's probably one of the classic um, verses there that pitches together this idea of God's Spirit working with God's Word together as a package deal. It's inseparable. First fruits to be saved through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief in the truth. You see, here's one of our main problems with this ongoing work of holiness in their lives. Our thinking is wrong. Our thinking is wrong. 
It makes no difference whether you've been a Christian one day, one year, or even one decade. We are born with minds that are corrupted and broken. We entertain all types of evil desires and, loving, and, and unloving things towards other people. Sometimes someone cuts me off in traffic. And what's the normal reaction? The window goes down and the fist goes up, doesn't it? Is that sort of what happens? It's amazing. Where does this come from? I was sort of driving along happily in the traffic and someone cuts me off and it just, something erupts within us. It's our minds, it's our broken minds. It's this indwelling corruption that stays in. It's just amazing how quickly it just bubbles up. The window goes down and the fist goes up. We live in a world that is sometimes called the information age. It's a world where we are constantly being fed all types of information. You can get news feeds and Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds any manner of feeds when it comes to information. And these are not always helpful feeds for us. This type of information that comes and filters into our mind. We've had an explosion over the last decade or so of reality TV shows. And what do we see in that? We see the best and we see the worst of humanity in these reality TV shows. Sometimes we see some really good stuff. We see some really great stories of humans uh, loving each other and being sacrificial in the way they serve each other and help each other. Sometimes we see some really, really good stuff. Some relationships that model some really good character traits in some of that reality TV show. But on the other hand, some of that stuff on reality TV is downright poisonous. It's downright poisonous. Sometimes we'll see media personalities that have had multiple affairs with other men and women being totally unfaithful to their husband or their wife and then you'll see a report following on from that. And the way it's portrayed um, across through the media is you've got to feel sorry for them because they were nearly forced into these affairs. You know? Their marriage went so cold they had to get love from somewhere else. And this sort of stuff begins to feed into our minds with all this information that's coming uh, from all corners. And they condition our minds. They build sort of layer upon layer upon layer that's continually embedding things in our minds. And what happens with these layers or these conditions is that when we come under pressure, we begin to process life through these layers that we've allowed of information to come into our minds and we come along and say, actually, my marriage is under pressure at the moment and I saw the way that media personality dealt with his. Gee, if it's good for him or good for her, it's good for me. It's amazing how these conditioning effects take place. Our minds get filled with all these things and it begins to condition the way we think. So this is where God's Spirit comes in and this path and this work of holiness to renew our minds. He wants to get our thinking straight. And Paul has that classic verse in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is the very reason, as we looked at last week, why God's Spirit dwells in our control centre when we are born again. He dwells in our minds. Right at the primary point of influence in our lives. The Spirit comes here to influence the way we think and the way we do life. And it's here that we see the reality of this world and its broken promises of deliverance and happiness are exposed ultimately by the truth of God's Word in cutting through all those layers that have been built up there. And it's here that as we partner with God's Spirit and we allow His Word to, as it were, permeate our minds and we begin to truly see the real nature of things as they are. This truth, as it were, gives us fresh vision. It gives us a whole new way of looking into this world and looking into 
the lies that this world continues to uh, uh, pour out to us. The truth cuts through all those layers and gets us thinking rightly. That's one way the Spirit, or one of the tools the Holy Spirit uses here in this path of holiness or sanctification in renewing us in Christ. Two others I'm going to mention really quickly, like two liners each. Prayer is another tool that the Spirit uses to sanctify us. Never disregard the work of prayer that the Holy Spirit uses in seeing his work come into our lives and uh, purifying us of um, unholy living or sinful living. Church community is another tool that the Spirit uses, a vital tool. As we come together in community, the Holy Spirit uses that as well to purify us and to produce holy living within us as well. Here's another tool that the Spirit uses, one I'll just spend a few more minutes on. This tool is the Spirit u- that the Spirit uses is the ordering of our lives in a daily sense to sanctify us or to work holiness within us. What we have to see here is the Holy Spirit doesn't waste a moment of our lives in pursuing or perfecting holiness within us. Every challenge we go through, every hard conversation we go through, we have to believe that God's Spirit is working right there in that to refine us and to grow us in Christ. And often, often, very often, it's the little run-of-the-mill things of the life that we live that the Holy Spirit is doing a deep work of sanctifying us or purifying us into holy vessels that can reflect the glory of Christ. Let me explain. Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example about myself. They're normally the best ones you can give, aren't they? The very honest ones. I'm a bit of a get in, get it done, get out sort of a person. I know what I've got to do. Let's get in, let's get it done, let's get out. That's the sort of person I am. I can be very very focused like that at times. And when that's the case, I don't appreciate interruptions to my plan. I like to get in, get it done and get out. Well, we were on holidays a few years ago in New Zealand. And we were driving from Wellington to Lake Taupo in a motorhome. And uh, my wife likes to explore a little bit. So she pulls open the map and uh, sees where we are and uh, says, hey, we're really close to this ski field. It's only like just over there on the map. Why don't we go there and have a look? Well, I'm a get in, get it done, get out sort of person. I'm heading for Lake Taupo. I'm not heading for some distraction to the plan. I'm not looking to go out left field somewhere to go visit some ski field. I just, I'm going to Lake Taupo. I'm not going to the ski field. So what do I do? I throw up a few ideas. Hang on, I don't think we've got enough diesel to get there. I don't think we'll make it. Hang on, we're probably going to need to get chains. That'll cost another 50 bucks. I'm not paying 50 bucks to put chains on a motorhome to go up this mountain. So I'm starting to roll out a few ideas here. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. So needless to say, from a very harmless suggestion to deviate off the plan, from the get in, get it done, get out of there sort of situation, my attitude now rises to levels of anger and feelings of she couldn't care less about my plan. I'm going to Lake Taupo. I'm not going over here to this other place. And all the effort I've put into driving this motorhome the last two weeks, that's what my sort of attitude's getting to now. What's happening here is the Holy Spirit is using a seemingly small... No, it was a big situation, actually. No, a seemingly small situation. A small situation. To do what? To reveal my attitude. To reveal to me. Indwelling sin, indwelling corruption that's still inside of me, of selfishness and anger. 
And it's only after I begin to reflect on my reactions that the Spirit begins to reveal in me, in me, my very deep deficiencies. The Spirit reveals my sinful reactions and I'm convicted by it. The Holy Spirit's taken a very seemingly small situation of life and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Takes the little situations of life and he's he's actually sanctifying us through that all the time. Purifying us and producing holy living. The work of sanctification is a lifelong work and sometimes it's very painful. On that day in New Zealand it was really painful for me and probably painful for them as well. Painful. But it's a work of God's matchless grace that he would come and remake us into the image of his son. It's a pure work of God's grace that he would actually persist with us and particularly myself. But here's the springboard for us to really understand where this sanctification comes from so that we will continue to keep pursuing holiness because we need a springboard. We need a foundation. We need a platform that will keep us going because otherwise if we try and do it on our own strength or our own platform, we will fail. Yes, the Spirit is our strength. But here's what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit takes and points our focus onto the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the foundation that we build off to to pursue holy living. How did Jesus deal with temptation while he was here on earth? Jesus never sinned, but the Bible tells us he was tempted. He was tempted in every way just like us. So how did he deal with the temptation, particularly that he got from Satan? If you were to go to Matthew 4, you will see there that three times Jesus is tempted directly by Satan. And we see that uh, happening very early on in Jesus' life. And I can imagine that temptation from Satan directly would be intense and painful. I don't think any of us here have had a direct temptation from Satan the way Jesus had. He had had a pretty hard time there. So what did Jesus do with that temptation when he was tempted those three times? Jesus says three times to Satan after each temptation, he says, it is written. Very poignant words here that Jesus says for us. It is written. Jesus, the living word, uses the sword of truth to fortify himself and to cut through the lies of Satan. Jesus, the living word, uses the sword of truth to to fortify himself and to cut through the lies of Satan. Jesus uses the scriptures to resist the enemy and to expose his temptations for what they were, lies. So here's the springboard then for our fight in pursuing holiness. It's another word that Jesus himself gives us from the cross. John 19.30, Jesus says this, In his dying moments, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. They are incredibly powerful words for the springboard and the foundation of our pursuit of holiness. It is finished. We have been made holy in Christ because he has completed that work on the cross. So we are not pursuing holiness to attain something or strive something to actually earn salvation anyway, we are building off the foundation that Jesus has already perfected for us. It is finished. So it's in that total and complete confidence in the truth that it is finished can we now live out a pursuit of holiness in the power of the Holy Spirit 
And we can do that for the honour and the glory of Christ. Because it is finished through his work for us. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you. Thank you that we can uh, come and gather around your word, Lord. Today, we look at this topic here, this uh, work of sanctification within us. Lord, instantly and progressively, both passively and actively, Lord. Uh, Father, thank you that you are committed to us. Thank you that you have instantly made us holy in Christ. Instantly made us holy in Christ. And from that foundation, from that confidence, we can push forward into the progressive work of, Lord, each day, moment by moment, millimetre by millimetre, uh, circumstance by circumstance, Lord, all these things that are you, you are using to uh, reshape us and to remould us and to pursue holiness in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you take all these things and you continue to persist and persevere with us. And I pray today you'd help us to engage with this, to partner with your spirit, to not negate these works that you are doing within us. And to pray that on, in and through this that you would uh, produce a work that would reflect the glory of Christ. Lord, today for those who are pursuing holiness and doing it perhaps from a, a legalistic way or a way of trying to attain something or earn something, I pray God that you would release them from that. To see that we are made holy in Christ. And that this pursuit of holiness now comes from the work that he's already done with us. And it comes from Lord, a position of love and acceptance and the forgiveness that you've already given to us. Help us in this work, Lord. Help us in the challenges we do face. Help us to be honest with ourselves. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, this work would be one that would bring great glory and honour and power to uh, your name. Father, we ask that and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.